This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The last Monday of May is designated Memorial Day. This is the day specifically set aside to pay homage to American servicemen and women who've lost their lives defending this country. Luther himself wrote about the soldier being a vocation that not only is acceptable to God, but also a duty. American Lutherans have honored the call since the nation's founding. A scant 15 years after the founding of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, an LCMS chaplain joined the ranks of the Union Army in the Civil War. The tradition of service continues today, with some paying the ultimate price. Craig Mueller, a retired Navy captain and current executive director of the LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces, discusses the significance of Memorial Day to Lutherans on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. The Center for Medical Progress, who exposed Planned Parenthood's leadership negotiating the harvesting and sale of aborted fetal body parts, released a new video today. This one features Planned Parenthood officials' sworn videotape testimony about the sales. The new video release documents the Planned Parenthood officials' admissions, which came in the Planned Parenthood's own retaliatory lawsuit over the undercover footage and contradict Planned Parenthood's public claims about both the undercover videos and the abortion provider's fetal tissue research programs. The testimony was unsealed this spring. The video shows how Planned Parenthood Federation of America, while under investigation in 2015, told Congress that its Gulf Coast affiliate in Houston had rebuffed an undercover proposal to sell fetal livers for $750 per liver and $1,600 for liver thiamus pairs. But Planned Parenthood's Gulf Coast Senior Director of Abortion Access, Trem Nguyen, testified that she wanted to move forward with it, as documented in the contemporaneous emails between her and Planned Parenthood's Regional Director, Diane Santos. Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys, representing two female athletes, have filed a motion in federal court to intervene in a lawsuit challenging the state's Fairness in Women's Sports Act. The lawsuit, which the American Civil Liberties Union filed on behalf of a male athlete seeking to challenge Idaho's newly enacted law to enforce female athletes to compete against biological males who identify as female. ADF attorneys represent two collegiate athletes who run track and cross-country at Idaho State University in Pocatello. As ADF attorneys explain, the proposed interveners are longtime athletes, well familiar with the difference in strength and speed between comparably gifted trained male and female athletes. ADF attorneys also represent four female athletes in a federal lawsuit in Connecticut, where a policy that allows males who identify as female to compete in girls' athletic events has consistently deprived the four girls of honors and opportunities to compete at elite levels. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran Digest host Kip Allen. We just recently passed Memorial Day, and you know there's a saying that about the military that all gave some, but some gave all. And that's exactly what the Memorial Day holiday was about, to remember those who gave everything 
to keep our country safe and to keep our, and to protect our, our desperate religious freedom, the thing that we need so much in this country. Lutherans have always served in the military from the time of the revolution all the way down to the present. With me today is Mr. Craig Mueller, I should say Chaplain Craig Mueller, who's also a retired Navy captain, and is the executive director of the Ministry to the Armed Forces. Craig, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Kip. It's great to be here. Well, Craig, as I mentioned, Lutherans have a long history in this country of, of working with the military. What what do you say about that? I mean, because this is so many, uh, so many people have a I won't say confused, but there's many different people who, who look at how one should serve and how one should not. But Martin Luther himself actually brought up the point of the vocation of the soldier. Yep, he sure did, Kip. And that's a great point that when we look at our Lutheran heritage, especially, you know, as many know, the reason that Lutherans immigrated just like anybody else probably to this free world was the freedom of religion. But with them, they also brought the teaching of Luther on the two kingdoms and understanding that it, it's okay to to serve in the military. It's an honorable vocation to serve in the profession of arms. And, and Luther's pamphlet that he wrote back in uh, the early days called Can a Soldier Too Be Saved? has come over to us, you know, as Lutherans, we keep that and understand how God gives us different vocations. In the Revolutionary War, we did have Lutherans who, who served um, in the military. Um, and then, of course, for when the Missouri Senate was established, uh, not too far after that, I think you mentioned about 15 years after the establishment of the LCMS is when the Civil War broke out. And uh, our founding uh, father, if you will, CFW Walther, endorsed our first chaplain Richmond to serve with the Union Army. So it's continued ever since then. And as you mentioned in your opening comments that since the Revolutionary War to this present day, Lutherans have always understood and supported uh, the, the service of our military personnel, which I think translates to what you're saying today on Memorial Day. It's so important for us to distinguish the importance of what Memorial Day is, is when we do remember those who, who gave it all, the ultimate sacrifice on the altar of freedom, as uh, some people refer to it. Well, you know, I was looking at an article uh, just recently that uh, noted that there are 16 chaplains who are listed on the Vietnam Memorial, and of those, two of them were Lutheran. Yes, absolutely. I, uh, I don't have my book in front of me. Yeah, I don't have my book in front of me either of uh, that we refer to, but we track all of our uh, chaplains. Um, but yes, ultimately, many chaplains uh, throughout our history may not all be Lutheran, but uh, also perished and gave it all at, on the altar of freedom, serving their men and women in uniform. The LCMS is one of the largest uh, groups that provides chaplains to the military. How many do we have serving right now? If we have about 150, you know, it is constantly changing with retirements and accessions and so forth, but that's a pretty accurate number. And that's not just active duty. Active duty is about uh, 60. Um, and then we have reserve guard. And then we even have civil air patrol and coast guard auxiliary clergy. So the round number for Missouri Senate that we endorse to serve in the Department of Defense is is around 150. Do we have any idea how many LCMS chaplains have died in service? Um, you know, I have uh, that written down in my book. 
Um, but I know that one particular case I will give is uh, one that my associate and I, Steve Okana, ran across. Um, was a young man who had joined the the uh, Army or the Air Corps, Army Air Corps back in the World War II, and he had uh, his plane went down, um, and they put him as missing in action. And just recently, we did some research or had some people do research for us and found out that he was found and declared killed in action in World War II. In fact, he's buried here at Jefferson Barracks with the rest of the crew that the plane went down in uh, Papua New Guinea uh, during the World War II. But we have a book called They Shall Not March Alone, which I encourage your listeners to, if they're interested, to contact us. And it does have all the historical information of every chaplain who has served um, in our military uh, from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, and has got vignettes from uh, our chaplains who were serving in combat. And it does share those stories of, uh, you know, when they've had to be at the side of someone killed in combat or notifying the families of their son or daughter being killed. In one particular, I'll share a, a personal story. My father-in-law, uh, Lambert Mal, Dr. Lambert Mal, was also an army chaplain in World War II. And I didn't even know until I got that book that he wrote a vignette called entitled uh, Burying a Hundred Men a Day. He was one of those chaplains that was on a beach landing in uh, Salerno, I believe is the, the battle. But he shared his story there. You know, and you think about that because uh, that's what Memorial Day is about. Those people who died on that beach with my father-in-law when he was their chaplain, but then the hundreds and hundreds of others killed throughout all of our conflicts uh, throughout, you know, the history of the United States of America. So Memorial Day is set aside to recognize and honor the sacrifices that they have made for our freedom. And the Lutherans are good about that because, again, we understand the role. It's not taking away from their theology or, you know, that, uh, you know, we're not saying that everyone who died for their country is going to heaven. No, what we are doing is we are remembering and honoring those who gave the ultimate sacrifice in their vocation of a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, coast guardsman, or whatever service branch they were in, but did that for us as Americans. So that's why we honor Memorial Day and keep it sacred even in our Lutheran churches and our Lutheran cemeteries uh, throughout the land of America. And Lutheran chaplains have given comfort to to all denominations. It doesn't really matter. Uh, of course, we, we uh, want to give special comfort and counsel to those of us who are LCMS, but we're all children of God. And LCMS chaplains have always been there to comfort the wounded and, and the dying and the and the, the frightened. Absolutely. You know, that's a, that's a good point, Kip, because, you know, uh, you're, you're the chaplain for a battalion or whatever unit you're assigned to, and you are the only chaplain. And so if they're in combat or if there's other, you know, it's a dangerous business. So even sometimes in training exercises or whatever the case may be, there will be a casualty and you are the chaplain who's called upon. And then when you go to uh, minister to your service member, you, you know, hopefully you know what faith they are because you've been with them and you understand and you can uh, facilitate getting the right faith uh, support that they need. But in the meantime, you are the uh, the person on the scene comforting them, uh, you know, assuring the survivors, their their colleagues, their families, or whatever the situation is. It's really what we do as pastors in the Lutheran Church. It's offering pastoral care with dignity and respect to all those that we are called to serve. 
And granted, we, we may not know about, uh, you know, the faith or some of them because we just don't know, but we are there to comfort the living and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Some years ago, I interviewed a gentleman, uh, an elderly Jewish man, who had been a bombardier on a B-24 during the Second World War, flew 35 missions. Uh, they called the plane the bucket of bolts because it rattled so much from all the holes that they got from battle damage. <laughs> But he told me that uh, it really was. He had quite a story. Uh, but he told me that uh, before the missions, uh, there, there were two chaplains assigned to his air base, to his squadron. And there was a Protestant chaplain and a Catholic chaplain. And, the, and they, they had their, their, their services, you know, their, their blessings uh, to each other. And the Protestant chaplain noticed that this gentleman was always off by his side. And uh, since there was no there was no Jewish rabbi who was assigned to the group, so the fellow came up to him. The, the the Protestant chaplain came up to him and said, "Do you have a prayer book?" And the guy said, "Yeah, I do, but I don't read Hebrew." And the chaplain says, "I do." <laughs> and so and so they went on with that. And he said the chaplain was there every mission to to bless him and to greet him when he came back. You don't know any odds that that chaplain was Lutheran. I'm not sure. <laughs> do, do you know or not? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. He told me he was Lutheran. Oh, okay, great, good. <laughs> well, you know, that's a good point, Kip. You know, I think that's uh, thanks for bringing that story up because I think that does explain a lot. Um, again, with a civil a ceremony or service like Memorial Day, it shows that we as uh, pastors at Lutheran Church Missouri Senate serving the military. We provide, you know, Christian services and Lutheran uh, communion for our Lutheran folks, but we facilitate uh, for other religious faiths. You know, it's part of the constitutional free exercise. As a as an officer in the military, it's my job to ensure that every service member has access to their faith uh, and their faith provider, if possible. And then of course, we care for all, even of those of no faith. So that that your little story brings up a good point that he was facilitating. He wasn't compromising. He wasn't. Uh, denying that, you know, as a Christian Lutheran, that we believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. What he was functioning as was his job as a chaplain in the military, which is to facilitate for this young man to have access to his conscience and freedom of faith. It was indeed an amazing story. And it's funny, the guy, his name was Solomon. I still remember that. I mean, he, he grinned from ear to ear when he told me that story. It was just, it was an amazing thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about about the Lutheran layperson, uh, the Lutheran who enlists or is even drafted, what have you, who go, who serves in the military. What is the, the we we broached on this briefly? The justification being Luther's mention of you know can can the soldier be saved? But of course, this goes down more in, even into the the, the two kingdom theory, the two kingdom uh, belief. Uh, that we have a duty to our civil authorities, that we have a duty to our people, we have a duty to our country. This is part of what it is to be a Lutheran, I think. Yes, absolutely, Kip. I think, you know, when our young men and women, which we still do have, obviously, uh, lots who are joining the military because they feel that calling, whether they're doing it, you know, to just do a short 
hitch, if you will, for three or four years, uh, serve their country, then go back to college, or if they're coming in as young officers, you know, whatever their personal vocation or decision is, you know, we assure them that they can go with a clear conscience that they are serving God and their uh, country uh, faithfully and honorably, and that they should not have to ever be asked to compromise their conscience or their faith either. You know, that's what the military provides, a free exercise for them as well. From the time they, they take the oath, go to boot camp, and whatever training plan or wherever they get sent next, uh, they should have always have access to a chaplain or the opportunity to exercise their faith the best that they can. But I think, Kip, the big thing that we do too as Lutherans is we just assure them, you know, and I can't say this too much because sometimes it gets misunderstood that this is an honorable vocation that these young and women and men who are willing every time once they take that oath, you know, to defend our uh, constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, they are willing to lay their life on the line for the freedoms we enjoy today. And thankfully, you know, uh, some don't have to do that ultimate sacrifice. But as we know all too well, when we look at the lists of those who did give the ultimate sacrifice, we realized that they did that with a clear conscience of serving their country and protecting the religious liberties and all the liberties that our Constitution gives us. So we, we give thanks and praise to those young men and women who volunteer to do that even today. And it is indeed, excuse me, <clears throat> It is indeed a, a dangerous, a dangerous mission. Uh, I was going over some of the casualty figures that are posted on the various wards, and uh, you know, up until World War II, that's the first time that there were more battle deaths than there were from disease or accidents or what have you. And it's important to remember that those who died, not just from battle, but from other causes as well, equally served their country. They answered the call. And whether it was an enemy bullet or a germ or an accident, they were serving. That's a great point, Kip, because we do get some of those who we call it, uh, well, or maybe not survivor guilt as much as those who, you know, maybe someone got killed and someone didn't. But there are, you know, training accidents. There are, you know, accidental killing by, by our own folks just because of the, the fog of war on the battlefield. And you're absolutely right for pointing that out, that everyone who was wearing our uniform, the cloth of our nation, on this Memorial Day is remembered as giving the ultimate sacrifice uh, for the freedoms because they were there, uh, they're part of the team, and they wanted to defend our nation. Again, I was looking at, at those numbers, and uh, it, it's hard to imagine. Uh, the Civil War was our, our bloodiest conflict that killed something like 600,000 soldiers. But we go through history and all the other wars and everything that has happened. You know, the casualty rate is something like 1.6 million young Americans have given their lives in, the, in uniform. It is an incredible number when you think about it. And uh, I think for me personally, I, and I'm sure many people in your listening audience do that too, one of the traditions that uh, people do on Memorial Day weekend is they show a lot of those old war movies, you know, uh, to, to kind, of, kind of somehow play homage to it. And I make it a point to watch a few of those because it just does remind you of the, the cost and the bloodshed uh, by our young men and women who are defending our liberties today. And uh, your point is well taken, Kip. Thank you for bringing that up. 
I also want to bring up the missing. Uh, we every war that we have, you know, not everyone is recovered. Uh, we had, I think, in World War II, there's something like the last statistic I saw is something like sixty to seventy thousand people are still considered missing in action. You know, so much of the of the combat was in the Pacific, and when a ship goes down, you know, you don't uh, you usually don't recover the bodies. And it's so important that we remember that. And there's, there's, um, I know that we have uh, the table. I've seen this, this uh, table that has been set up every, uh, I think it's every Veterans Day at the LCMS. And uh, it has some wonderful symbolism to it. Would you explain that? Sure, sure. And I think it's, you're probably talking about the POW MIA table. And we, and that's uh, in, in September, they have, uh, the day they set aside and we try to even at our international center offices to to set up that table that has some symbols on there and again i'm going to try to do these from memory so i hope i don't miss any object on the uh, on the table because it is so important but basically the whole point of it is is to remind people when they go into a dining facility even some of our civilian restaurants have it which i really am impressed with that they'll have an empty table uh with i mean a t- table with a chair one chair uh either tipped to the side you know leaning on it with one plate um to remind us that someone is not able to join us because of uh they're missing in action that they 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 went out to serve our nation you have the salt to, to remind us of the bitterness of the tears you have the rose, you have um, the, uh, again, the plate, and then you have the salt that talks about the tears shed for them. And then we also have the Bible on there. And that's been some controversy with some of our uh, atheist groups in America trying to get the Bible off the POW MIA table. But the bottom line is, is that that is, that is part of it, you know, to show that they've not lost faith. Uh, in their God or in their country to do them. But yeah, if anybody ever gets a chance and to pay attention to that, um, it's it's really moving and thinking about if you look at every item on that table to remind us that there are those who, who were never recovered. One of the people I interviewed, um, gosh, I guess it was back in the 70s, uh, you may know the name, Jeremiah Denton. Uh, he, was the, uh, he was shot down in Vietnam and uh, was captured, and he was the guy who blinked torture to uh, in, in front of the camera. And uh, he was held for, I think it was six and a half years. I, there's a book on this called When Hell Was in Session. Uh, but the thing that really struck me is I, I talked to him. Uh, I, as I said, I interviewed him, and I said, uh, what sustained you? And he was very upfront about it. Was that it was his faith? Uh, he had made a little cross and hid it under the uh, under his under his pallet. And uh, apparently, one of the guards was a secret Christian, and uh, would pray with him and smuggled in vitamin pills and things like that. And what uh, what was truly a display of uh, I think the Christian spirit, and one that I'm not sure I would have had. Uh, I, I asked him, did he have any hard feelings about Vietnam, about the uh, the people who had tortured him? And he said, you know, I'd rather think about the ones who helped me. That's amazing. Yeah, when I think about some of those stories of those gentlemen and, and the prisoners of war for six, seven years, any time is incredible. And But I, I concur with you. Uh, most of them that I've talked to or met 
you know, they're so just humbling to be in the presence of these, these uh, giants have uh, served our nation and did all that for us, but it was their faith in God that got them through it, you know, and uh, it's, it's a testimony to that, but just how God got them through that. These are just amazing. It is indeed. And it's a very humbling experience to meet these people and listen to their stories. Craig, I want to, I know, (laughs) Craig, I want to thank you for for taking the time and speaking in this matter on the program. And especially want to thank you for your work with the LCMS and spreading this, this gospel message to the young people who so desperately need it, who are putting themselves in harm's way for us. Well, thank you, Kip. It's a joy to be here and it's always a privilege. And I, I just thank you for bringing this out and taking an episode to, to remind us again of what Memorial uh, Day is all about, to to really ponder and give thanks to our comrades who gave the ultimate sacrifice on the altar of freedom. And we are eternally grateful for them. And uh, we pray for their families and all those who, who miss them dearly. But uh, we, we are so grateful that they've given it all so that we can have this the freedoms we enjoy today. So thank you, Kip. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And God bless you. Thank you. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.